Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in Frank, from Connecticut, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, January 9th, 2018, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 1, Bill's Story, on page 13, the third paragraph. We will be reading and commenting on two paragraphs, beginning with, My schoolmate visited me, and ending with, But that would be in great measure. Today's readers are Esther S., Tina S., Penny C., and Rita K. Our newcomer greeter is Russ M. The reference number for yesterday's Monday, January 8, 2018, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 10-899. That's 10-899. And the reference number for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 10-901. That's 10901. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 Steps of OA. Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 Steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Hi, it's Rebecca, Rebecca F. Oh, I'm are. so sorry I got knocked off the line. Thank you, Esther F., and I'm guessing Tina S. didn't start the 12 Traditions yet? No, not yet. Thanks, Rebecca, for okay, your service, thanks, Tina, Tina. Uh-huh. Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. These are the 12 Traditions from Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. And I'll use my timer and say the word time if you get to three minutes, just to gently remind you to wrap up. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute, Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted and speaker phones don't lend themselves to this meeting too well, if you can avoid that. Today we resume our study of the big book in chapter one, 
Bill's story on page 13, the third paragraph. We will be reading and commenting on two paragraphs beginning with, my schoolmate visited me, and ending with, but that would be in great measure. I will now ask Penny C. to read that for us. Thank you, Rebecca, and thank you, everybody who's attending this meeting along with me this morning. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive reader from the Boston area. My schoolmate visited me, and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. We made a list of people I had hurt or toward whom I felt resentment. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals, admitting my wrong. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Never was I to pray for myself except as my request bore on my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive, but that would be in great measure. As we're reading through these paragraphs of, in where Bill is talking about his spiritual awakening and the beginning of his real recovery, I can so identify with, you know, how he's doing the steps. And, of course, here... When Ebby comes back, comes to the hospital, and, and Bill um, admits his deficiencies and his faults, he's doing the fifth step. And then he goes on to tell us that, you know, he's going to do um, the other steps as well. And I can see myself in all of these pages, which is what I was told when I first embarked on reading the big book, that the most important thing was for me to identify, identify, never to compare, but just identify. And so I have, and and I, I, I tell my sponsees the same thing. These paragraphs remind me of a couple of other quotes from the big book. Um, in the preface to the, well, the preface that's the same in every every edition, it says that we're, we're um, suggested that we read the book and then we'll be able to say, yes, that happened to me. Or more important, yes, I felt like that. Or most important, yes, I believe the program can work for me. And that, that's the hope that I have for everyone who's listening and going maybe going through these pages of the big book for the first time, that you'll constantly be saying yes, 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 I identify with Bill. I identify with the other stories we're going to read. And I I can see myself, and if it could happen for other people with the help of my higher power, it can happen to me. And for sure it has happened to me one day at a time. I thank God that it continues to happen for me. And just one more quote before I hang uh, stop. In the doctor's opinion, Dr. Silkworth tells us at the very end, he says, I earnestly advise 
every alcoholic to read this book and the and, and read this book through. And though perhaps he came to scoff, he may may remain to pray. And again, that's my wish for everyone on the line that we'll all remain to pray. And I pray that I'll always remain to pray and never, never think I don't need the help of a higher power in these steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Penny C. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Harlan G. Kim G. from Calcurvy. I heard Harlan G. I heard Kim G. I think I heard Sue G., was it? Sandy, yes. Sandy, say the last again. S is in Sandy. S. Vasa okay. O. Vasa O. Vasa O and someone else. Melissa C. C. O. Chicago. Melissa C. And someone from Chicago, could you say it again? D. D. E. E. Yes. D. Yes. O. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We're going to stop there. So Harlan G, Kim G, Sue G, Sandy S, Vasa O, Melissa C, and D O. And if I missed you, I hope I get you next time around. Harlan G, go right ahead. Thank you very much, Rebecca, and thank you to Team Tuesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Sorry about my voice, I've got bronchitis, but I should be fine for Thursday. Anyway. My schoolmate visited me, that's Ebby Thatcher, and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies, step five. We made a list of people I had hurt or toward whom I felt resentment, step eight. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals, admitting my wrong, nine. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability, step 10. I was to test my thinking by the new God's consciousness within. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Never was I to pray for myself, except as my request bore on my usefulness to others that only might I expect to receive. That would be in great measure. That's step 11. And if we went to page 87, and we look in step 11 at the paragraph that says we usually conclude the period of meditation, on page 87, it's identical in thought and spirit with what we just read in the second paragraph today. So in the hospital with God and with Ebby, Bill has now worked what we know as the first 11 steps of this program. There's one step ahead of us that he's going to come to on the next page. But there's something else that happened. This is December of 1934. Ebby, when coming to see Bill, has a book with him that was extremely popular in the Oxford group meeting at that time. And the book is called The Varieties of Religious Experience by William James, the psychologist William James. It was a turn-of-the-20th-century book about how people found God. It was written by a psychologist, so it's a little hard to read, no offense, Larry, but the bottom line is, is that that book talks about how people found God, and that's why we have the stories in the back of the big book, because we have stories in our book about how people, through catastrophe, what they were like, what happened, 
and what they're like now. That's why we have the stories in the back of the big book. So not only is this little scenario in December of 1934 changing Bill's life, it is changing all of our lives. And I'm happy to be part of that change, for without it, I would be dead, never having lived. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. And Harlan, I hope you feel better, but you sound sexy with that voice, i got to say. Um, I, I love this. You know, Bill did not work the 12 steps. Bill worked the six tenets. So I think, and I know I, I see steps differently than other people see them in here, but it's the essence of the spiritual experience that we're reading about. So I love the part I was to test my thinking. You know, I was to ask for direction, which is prayer. I was to sit quietly, which is meditation. So to me, this encompasses steps 10 and 11. And I like to look at my old ideas. You know, I'm someone that my mom came into OA when I was 11. I didn't come in until I was 27. And I thought to myself, well, I am so much smarter than my mother. My mom might need to be there for years, but if there's 12 steps, 12 weeks, I'm done, I'm out of here. I treated it the same way I thought about a diet. Well, yeah, I'm going to do this diet, but when I get to goal weight, I'm going to go back to moderating my eating because I'm, I'm better. And I thought the same thing. I could do these 12 steps and I could go back to my old ways of behaving. What I learned from this big book is that steps four through nine are simply a skill set. And in 10 and 11, that's where I test that skill set. That's where I implement the skill set I learned in 4 through 9, which is why we can't do 10 and 11 until we've done steps 1 through 9. You know, I think about it like going to nursing school. You know, you go to nursing school, you learn these practical skill sets, but you graduate, you take your boards, you know, and you, and you decide never to go into a hospital. Do you really feel like a nurse? Just because you learned in nursing school, if you don't implement in a hospital, what is the point of learning that skill set? And the fact of the matter is if I stop testing my thinking, if I stop implementing these, these steps 10 and 11, I'm going to stop getting the benefit. You know, I remember reading this wonderful article that Dr. Silkworth wrote about relapse. And he was very practical being a doctor. He said, you know, when someone has heart disease or diabetes, and they stop their treatment, nobody is surprised when they relapse. Because if you have diabetes and a heart disease and you are taking your medicine and you feel better and you're not symptomatic of that disease, people often stop. My brother's diabetic. He often is noncompliant. And then he's shocked when his blood sugar spikes. And he says the same thing with an alcoholic. They have this treatment. We have this treatment of the 12 steps, yet everyone is shocked when we relapse. I have to tell you one of the things that, that makes me, you know, something to sick way feel better, but when I talk to someone that relapsed, it's usually pretty obvious they stop taking the treatment. They stop practicing the steps. And what comforts me about that is that people who continue to test their thinking, people who continue to work the steps on a daily basis, they continue to get the benefit and remain recovered. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim G. Sue G. Good morning. This is Sue G. from Michigan, recovered by the grace of God. Um, the one thing that I found, if it had not been for the spiritual experience in the back of the book, I would not have learned what Bill's experience really was. We know that he had the white light. 
and uh, Dr. Silkworth said, you know, I don't know what happened to you, but you better hang on to it, you know. Um, but I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. The spiritual experience, God consciousness is what we religious ones, on page 568, you know, it says many of us... Um, Many of us uh, think this this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of the spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. And that's what Bill called it, um, my new God consciousness within. Um, I had that experience, but I, went, I had to go through what Bill learned, and that was that... Um, Common sense would then become uncommon sense. And to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. That's where I failed. Um, I didn't continue my my growth, my spiritual growth. And um, I was more of a gimme. Uh, and I... Always prayed for what I thought would do me good, but would also help my family. At least that's what I thought, because I was blaming other people for why I was eating and for why I was exploding, because I had bipolar, but I didn't know that at the time. And I was manic. And um, and I know that Bill had depression. And so he must have had a hard time at times sitting quietly listening and asking um, for what God would have him to do. So I relate to Bill in that sense. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Suji. Sandy S. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Delray Beach, Florida, and also Asheville. What got me uh, was um, I was to sit quietly when in doubt asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. I think that's what I struggle with. Um, I have this conception of how I should be meeting my problems, of how I should be. And um, if I'm not loving constantly or, um, you know, knowing the next step or if I'm not peaceful or whatever, I really get pissed. And uh, that's being lifted. You know, um, I'm really getting the idea slowly but surely that um, everything is fine. You know, that I'm okay and that my efforts are good enough. In fact, the big, the big thing for me is to do less. I mean, uh, I definitely struggle with step two. And I keep thinking, like, if I keep doing more, 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 things will work out. And it's so, I mean, it's so hard for me to do less and just step away and just trust, you know, that I have enough to meet my problems as God would have me. And I just want to add that I've been abstinent for a long time, and I've really suffered with mental illness. And that is really being lifted. At this moment, I can truly say that God has done for me what I could not do for myself. I actually am experiencing self-love, peace, and even joy. 
And with that, I pass. Thanks, Sandy S. Vasa O. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater calling from Florida. And thank you, Rebecca, for your service. And this is a really good reading. And I can identify with Bill so much. And I remember saying, well, I don't know why I have to read the big book. I'm not an alcoholic, you know. And my sponsor would say, just scratch alcohol, put food on it, on the top. And that's what I did. And, yeah, he, my schoolmate visited me, and I fully – so he, his friend Abby visited him home. And my friend visited me, visited me at home after a couple of years she had been in programming over It Is Anonymous. And she introduced me, you know, again, I've said it so many times, lightly with the 12 steps. And I liked what she had. And we both had struggled with the food addiction for a long time. But she told me what the solution was right here. She gave me the big book. What a gift that she gave me. And uh, I became abstinent even a week before I came to my first meeting because she told me, uh, sugar was a drug and was an allergy to my body, which she didn't have to convince me. I knew all about that. I could diagnose myself. So I just stayed from the sugars, but my food, the, my meals were much bigger. You know, I wasn't watching really what I was eating between meals, and my meals were big. But, you know, when I came to my first meeting, we, she told me, to surrender to God. So um, I was willing and I was ready to do whatever she told me because I was just in so much pain. And that night I went to the bathroom and I surrendered on my knees. I said, God, I surrender with my life and my will and my food. With the food was really more than with my life and my will. That didn't come out until later. That was a gradual process. But with the food was like 100%. And I did have that spiritual experience, and I could not wait to tell my sponsor what happened to me till the next morning. And I could not sleep the whole night. You know, I did surrender. I had that spiritual connection with God. It was like electrical. And I told her, and she said, you know, that whatever you got, keep it. Don't let it go, you know. And uh, And my biggest motivator was to continue with the rest of the Steps, you know, step four here talks about writing, uh, admitting my wrongs and writing. And that was, I was abstinent, but I'm not saying I was easy for me to admit and to be honest, to write down my resentment, the causes and the effects and all that was very painful. But my motivation was not to go back into the food, and I was ready and willing to do whatever, whatever they told me to do. And it's by the grace of God. I've been doing this for many, 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 many years. I'm so grateful. I have so much peace and serenity in my life, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And um, I'm so grateful that I have this textbook. You know um, that I can I can read Bill's story and um, certainly identify in, but I get direction. You know that 
these steps, it's not one and done. You know, we work through the steps. I work through the steps every day. And just when I start feeling like I've got some sort of a rhythm and I've got this, you know, life throws a problem my way. And I have to utilize these tools, this step, these steps to work through every problem. And, you know, so what really grabbed me this morning was the the amends, you know, that righting our wrongs and never to be critical, you know, and God, is that hard for me, you know. This morning I wake up and um, my, my beautiful teenage daughter shaved her head and I freaked out. And, you know, I have, I have to live differently than other than other moms and other people who could have a tantrum, freak out on their kids, and then be right. You know, because I look at her and, my God, I'm right, you know, but I can't live by right and wrong, you know. So I had to actually, after doing the 10-step and getting direction from beautiful recovered friends, yeah, I had to go apologize and not point out what she did to her head. It's really none of my business. You know, and, and it goes right for me. I get the direction right from here that, um, you know, and it's step one. I mean, believe it or not, it's, I, I take step one all the time because I suck at managing my life, and that's what it comes down to. And I have to live differently than other people. I have... I have a disease. I have an illness, and if I want to live free from the food, I cannot operate from a point of being right any longer. I don't have that luxury. I actually have to say I surrender, you know, even my daughter's head, you know, to God, everything. And when I do that, it's like it works. You know, I get up this morning. I can eat my abstinent breakfast. I pack my abstinent lunch. Food does not exist, but if I don't do this, the food will make a comeback. I have to live these um, these steps constantly. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. D O. Good morning. Um, hi, this is B A grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater from Illinois. And this is my first time sharing on this meeting. The, um, the sentence in these two paragraphs that jumps out at me that, that uh, just so resonates with me is common sense would thus become uncommon sense. Um, it does not make sense for me to not be caught up in the story of how somebody has wronged me or how, you know, people should be a different way. Um, I, uh, I love this. My, my schoolmate visited me and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. Um, a lot of times my problems and deficiencies relate a lot to those other people in my life, whether it's the person who cuts me off in traffic or, um, the person I'm dealing with, you know, in a work situation or something like that. Um, and I could really get caught up in that, in that, um, 
in that story, but it's it's not common sense to um but it's so gratifying and so healing to give up being critical of them and giving up my right that I am right and sitting quietly in prayer and asking my higher power for direction, for strength to meet my problems. Um, and because that is where the solution is. That is where the grace is for me. That is where the healing and recovery of this program is for me. I've seen it. And when I'm not uh, willing to turn it over, to, to sit quietly, to meditate, to ask my higher power for guidance, um, all heck breaks loose. Um, I've seen that as well. So, uh, and this whole world, you know, again, it's not common sense to not pray for myself. I, I spent my life growing up um, in a religion that was like, you know, uh, dogmatic. And like, if I just pray enough, you know, God will answer those prayers. And um, and then when when he didn't, Um, my interpretation was that uh, it's because I had done something wrong Um, when now through the grace of this program, I know that what's there is my higher power's grace, that whatever is happening in my life is in the quiet reflection to recognize um, that my higher power has this. And um, my higher power is at work for me, and there's peace and serenity there. Um, and that's when um, I can expect to receive. So thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, D.O. Before I take more names, I just want to let anyone who got on the line late know what we read, and that is on page 13. The third and fourth paragraphs, my schoolmate visited me through, but that would be in great measure. Who else would like to share? Charles H. Katie Katie B. B. from Boston. Leah Katie M. B. Katie 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 B. Three is fifteen, thirty-four, forty-four. Okay, um, I know I missed some, so I can add a couple more names to this list: Charles H, Katie G, Anna M, Leah M, and Lisa B. Who did I miss? Nessa R. Larry. I heard Nessa R. Barbara. And was it Lynn S? Jeanette S. Thank you. Okay, and Jeanette S. Okay, sorry about everybody who didn't get a chance. I know it wasn't in order, but it is what it is. <laughs> Charles H., please go right ahead. Thank you, moderator. I'm generating some energy your way because you're doing a fantastic, unbelievable job. Love it. Love your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive over here. Uh, I just want to drill down where it says I was to sit quietly. You know, and like somebody said this morning, um, I need to pause when agitated. And it, it's just a it's just a happy place when 
you know, when I submit my will. See, because for me, I don't know about nobody else, but for me, step three, seven, and 11 is closely knitted, closely related, closely connected. Because if I'm turning over every, if I'm just giving God the keys, God of my understanding the keys, then I'm going to be, I'm humbly submitting. And then I want, I want to, to improve my spiritual awakening. I want to improve it every single day. Now, um, if, 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 you know, I could, I could recall, and I'm not going to judge nobody um, today. I'm going I'm I'm to judge myself. You know, many days I said, man, you know, I didn't have nothing. I couldn't have did nothing better. You know those questions on page 86. I couldn't have did nothing better. I was perfect. Even, even if I, I didn't go in the work world or I stayed home in a bubble, I'd, piss, I'd be pissed off in that bubble because I was isolated. So there's always some work to do. And, and, and I love what it says in the AA 12 and 12 about step 11. It's needed like water and air. Quiet time with a higher power. I don't want to sound preachy. I ain't saying nothing about theology. Quiet time for me is necessary because there's always something I could have did better without beating myself up. I need to invite God in all my areas. God is a gentleman. He ain't going nowhere. He ain't invited. So I'm, I got my door open for him. I'm I'm a, I'm going to make him some coffee. I hate coffee, but I, he probably like it. So I'll make him a cup of coffee and, 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 and listen for his will for my life. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Charles H. You wrapped up quick. You threw me off. <laughs> KVG, you're next. Good morning. Sorry. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Vision for You family. This is KDG, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is, if I don't admit my wrong, right? If I don't stop being critical, I don't get to connect with God. Like, it's not like. I've always known that being critical and doing the wrong thing isn't, the, isn't a good idea, right? But I don't get to live, right? Like this is a life and death illness for me. So <clears throat> if I yesterday when I was on the phone with the dental hygienist and she wasn't hearing me that I needed an appointment, that was not what I was telling myself, and she wasn't doing things on my time frame, right? If I didn't go back to her and say, I regret my tone of voice with you, that was inappropriate. And I really appreciate your help. I don't get to connect with God. I don't get to connect with him. Like that is, that is what it comes down to. And um, I too, I mean, I, I am the great KDG. I am full of myself. I'm full of the way I think things should go. And it's not easy. It's not easy when I'm in the midst of my quote unquote, like feeling storm to go to people and say, I regret my behavior, but you know what? I don't like, this isn't feel good anonymous. This isn't get easy anonymous. Like I don't get to God. And, and why is that important today? Because if I don't get to God, I'm not going to live. And the shift for me, the shift for me is, um, you know, I too, I used to like get on my knees and like wish Mary Poppins would come down, clean my room and allow me to snap my fingers, change my family, give me a thin body, a hubs, and I'm good to go, right? And today, <laughs> when I'm on my knees, when I'm praying, I'm actually praying for all of the people in my life. I'm actually praying for the people that meddle with my stomach, that, that I feel like have somehow wronged me. And I get freedom. 
I get freedom. You know, my mom, who was my number one resentment for 12 years in this program and then all the time prior, you know, I don't, I don't, she doesn't boil me over today. You know, like I can see her as the woman she is, but if I don't bring her to God and say, God, I, I love my mom, bless her, I, I release her, please bring her all the gifts in her life that I'm welcoming in my own, not God, please, you know, make this situation go away. You know, if I don't, if I don't pray for her, I, I don't get that change. And the amazing thing of connecting with God is that I have that shift today, right? Like people that I may have, like this woman yesterday who wronged me, right? Like I don't, I don't, she's not eating me for lunch. I don't, I didn't wake up thinking about her. And I'll just close with this. Even the quote unquote small criticisms, I don't get freedom unless I surrender it at all. So, um, you know, there's no such thing as a small resentment, a small harm. I got to clean it up no matter what. And uh, I'm going to keep showing up one day at a time with all of you and I pass. Right on the button, Katie G. Thank you. Anna M. Good morning, everyone. This is Anna M., a grateful recovered composer reader from New Haven, Connecticut. And I'm so very grateful to be here and to share this cool morning over here. It's like 28 degrees, and it's not snowing, so that's a good thing. But as far as this reading, I, I came on a little late, so I apologize for that. But um, the part that struck me is actually right where I'm at in my in my life at this moment in time. Um, the part where it says, I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. And for me... Lately, I've been having this ongoing situation coming up where I've been having to sort of trust God with things. Overall, there's been a person that was in my life many years ago all of a sudden reintroduced due to a death in the family, and in her family, and, and I'm going to pay my respects tomorrow. And the thing that struck me is that I had a lot of anger and resentment towards this person many years ago, and as a result of that, I... I acted in a very inappropriate way. And so our friendship was never the same after that. And now I feel like God has given me an opportunity to make an amends, not in the way I thought I might have to based on what I learned in doing my fourth step, but in in, in a totally different way. And, and this is my chance to make that amends. And it's not going to be that I'm going to say I'm sorry because I tried that before and it never worked, but that I'm going to be present and I'm going to offer, I've cooked a whole bunch of stuff to offer to her family. And for me, that's a completely different way. You know, I, I had to trust God and all of these years later, God has given me an opportunity to amend something that I destroyed many years ago. So for that, you know, I just want to say from, for me, I thought it would be one way. I thought like this whole rehearsal, dress rehearsal about how I would make my amends. And it ended up being many years later that now God God has given me an opportunity to make an amends to this human being for what I, the damage I caused. And I'm so very grateful. I feel like I could burst out into tears. And I just want to share that with you all that um, 
God has done for me what I could never do for myself in so many different areas of my life. And I'm so very fortunate to be, I'm so very happy to be a compulsive overeater and have this gift of recovery to be able to share it with other human beings and to look at people and look at them in the eyes and be happy to be here and being, you know, trying to do the best I can and being of maximum maximum service to God and myself. It's such a true gift, and I'm so very blessed for that. And for that, I thank you for your service, and I pass. Again, right on the button, Anna M., thank you. Leah M., thanks so much. Uh, You might have to time me. Thank you. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. I mean, you know, we've been reading Bill's story, which, of course, is a remarkable, profound story of a transformed life. I mean, no doubt about that, Um, from, you know, calamity to salvation. Incredible, incredible story of transformation. I just, you know, want to say that this is not a one-and-done story. This is a way of life that we live. And you know, come join it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it is, it just continues to be uh, something that, a way of life that continues to uh, sharpen the lens to which I'm able to see the world and operate in the world. And and this is real stories, you know what I mean? I'm not showing up you know, here, you know, this is not a juicy novel that you pick up in a bestseller section of your local Barnes & Noble. Uh, this is a real way of life because my reality, it says I was to sit quietly in doubt asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. My problem was life. My problem wasn't compulsive overeating. I compulsively overate very, very well. I had a rough time living. Food was the way, was the way uh, I got glued together, so to speak, for a long time. Um, and I have a disease that demands treatment. And that treatment is either going to come through the submission, the pressing in daily throughout the day of these steps, this governed way of life, or the treatment's going to come from food. There's no door number three for a compulsive overeater like me. Now, it's a simple process, but it's not easy because it is continuous for me. But it is an art, and it's an art that I (laughs) am grateful for, and it's the art of living undisturbed. Um, You know, to dethrone my intellect, dethrone my way and not have a way. How exciting is that, you know? Um, Today, the prism is not what's due to me, not what's owed to me, not what my rights are, because feelings are irrelevant in the spiritual realm. I have to set aside my attitudes, my ideas, my emotions to be governed, to be uh, dominated by a higher authority, and that's the authority of the principles of this program. What are my responsibilities? What are my obligations? How can I serve thee? 
a whole, you know, that's a switch. <laughs> that is okay. that is a new prism. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, so, you know, God came in through my wounds. This is not about virtue. <laughs> this is about, um, you know, having to continue this program of recovery uh, because it's a life and death matter. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Leah M. Lisa B. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you for the opportunity to share and for everyone that's here. Um, So what jumps out for me in this reading is um, never was I to pray for myself. So, you know, when I look at step 11 in the AA 12 and 12, there's a really powerful line there that's been life-changing for me. It says we discover that we do receive guidance for our lives to just about the extent that we stop making demands upon God to give it to us on order and on our terms. And, you know, getting entirely absent was a mind-blowing experience, but I didn't know how mind-blowing it would be until I just continued to proceed through the work of the steps. I had no idea how food had been numbing me, like even clean, healthy uh, food plants, you know, that were still like maybe 5% with my alcoholic foods. I thought, surely that's okay. But no, you know, it still would numb me. I needed to get entirely abstinent of my behaviors and my foods to proceed forward with this work. You know, and one of the um, AA 12 and 12 tells me that the first fruits of meditation is emotional balance. Well, oh my gosh. I mean, I have been seeking emotional balance, you know, for a very long time. Also, a sense of belonging. Someone's unmuted and there's like a rattling sound of dishes and stuff in the background. No longer being frightened and purposeless in a completely hostile world. That's how I have felt my whole life. But, you know, I needed to work these steps in the order they are, starting in getting entirely absent and working with a recovered sponsor. The other thing I wanted to share is the benefit of outreach calls. You know, I remember when I was newly recovered, calling a recovered fellow and learning how to go through a 10th step and sharing it with her. And she said to me, you know, when I feel like that, I crave my higher power like I crave air and sunshine. And after I got off the phone with her, I went in prayer and I said to my higher power, this power that I'm interested in seeking behind the name, you know, and I said, God, which is what I call my higher power, help me to crave you like I, like air and sunshine. And God started to do that for me. And also in our big book, it tells us in step 11 that there are many useful books out there that really help us understand what the principles are of spirituality for me. And that's what I've needed to do. But I need meditation and prayer every day, just like I need air and sunshine, because I need to be God-dependent, God-reliant, not you know, self-reliant and other-reliant, because I'm an addict. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. We have three people on the list in four minutes, so I don't know that we'll get to everyone, but those who we I do call on, if you want to kind of be mindful, I'd appreciate it. And Nessa, are you next? Thank you. Um, good morning. Wishing for you. This is Nessa R. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I also want to talk about the concept of um, sitting quietly when in doubt. Uh, page 87, uh, which is part of the write-up on step 11, says, 
we pause when agitated or doubtful. Um, and so, you know, that pause is, is incredibly important. And why do I need to pause? Because if I am agitated or doubtful, I have a problem. And if I have a problem, I need a solution. And the solution all my life has been food, which did not work well for me. Because if it had worked well for me, I wouldn't be here. You know, it didn't work well for me. So that leaves me with only one viable solution. And that solution for me is God. The problem is that when I am agitated or doubtful, I have no access to God. I am blocked from God by whatever is causing my agitation or my um, doubt. And for me, agitated is a cold word for resentful, and doubtful is a cold word for fear, which means, you know, before I can think about doing anything about my problem, I need to unblock myself from God by clearing whatever's blocking me. And the only way I know how to do that is what's been taught to me in this program, and it's, and it's doing step 10. I need to do step 10 so that I can figure out how I am the manufacturer of my own misery, how my problems are of my own making, of my own making caused by my selfishness of seeking uh, dishonesty and fears. You know, and only then, and only then I can be open um, to receive enlightenment, enlightenment from, uh, from God through step 11. I mean, the steps are, are in sequence for, for a reason. Step 10 must precede step 11. I have to clear block um, this order to have access to the solution. And this is why I need to pause. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Nessa R. And if I was making noise, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was unmuted. Uh, Lynn S., um, you have a couple of minutes. And Jeanette S., I think it will have to wait for you in the next hour if possible. Go ahead, Lynn S. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive reader in Toronto, Canada. These two paragraphs are really uh, striking home with me today. And I'm sitting at my dining room table, which is littered with um, spiritual books, because at the beginning of every new year, I I get more spiritual and want to get closer to God. And it's so funny because um, I must be so careful not to distract myself because it says in the big book that they failed to enlarge, perfect and enlarge a spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others. And the working is the working of the 12 steps. So what I love about these two paragraphs, there's no thinking involved here. It's an action plan. It's a program of action. And these are the actions that I am to take that will clear my, my path to God and I allow God to direct my life. And it's, um, I'm just so in awe about this. And it just reminds me so much about, you know, like, I don't care what you're thinking, you're not sort of, so while you're thinking that, take this action, and the action will change your thinking. And that's what I found to be true. And it's so much more important for me that I sit and I do these things, especially the quiet consciousness with God asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. I don't have to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And I don't do well with when people say act as if, act as if I'm a kind person or something. If I knew how to do that, I would. But what I can do is sit and ask for God's direction and then wait and listen. And the direction that I get from God is far better than anything I could imagine that a kind person's supposed to do in that uh, circumstance. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn S. 
Thank you everyone for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Tuesday, January 9th, 2018, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 10902. That's 10902. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. We'll read a K. Please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Hi, this is Rita K. Recovered in Kansas. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellow. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.